Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This is for his namesake. Well, hello there, for his namesakeians. Um, glad to be back with you guys. It's been a little bit of a break, obviously, through the holidays. And um, I'm just feeling pumped. I want to get back into it with this new year. And God willing, we're going to knock out the screw tape letters. I know we've barely gotten on to chapter three. So we're going to try and hustle some muscle through this the next um, couple weeks and try and knock out the whole book, uh, God willing, and maybe start getting back on to doing some of those, um, you know, three to... Uh, three to ten minute devotions and uh, hopefully you guys will be blessed by that um, we find ourselves in chapter three we're going to go ahead and continue with uh, screw tape letters if you haven't been listening go ahead and go back a couple podcasts and you'll be able to start back with us and uh, catch up with us to chapter three and uh, just want to get a shout out to my boy art at work and uh, art i hope you listen to this one buddy and uh i got a few other shout outs too of course to uh the brothers and sisters in Ireland who are listening, in Germany, and a few other places. I see you guys on my metrics. So just want to say what's up to you guys. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. All right. This is chapter three. You can open it up yourself if you like. And uh, uh, look up uh, Screw Tape Letters. You can find it for free, I think, online as well. But um, nonetheless, without further ado, C.S. Lewis, Screw Tape Letters, chapter three. My dear Wormwood, I am very pleased by what you tell me about this man's relations with his mother. But you must press your advantage. The enemy will be working from the center outwards. Remember, the enemy to them is God. These are uh, demonic forces talking, right? Working from the center outwards, gradually bringing more and more of the patient's conduct under the new standard. And may reach his behavior to the old lady at any moment. You want to get in first. Keep in close touch with our colleague, Glubos, who is in charge of the mother, and build up between you and that house of good, settled habit of mutual annoyance. Daily pinpricks. The following methods are useful. Now, we're just going to stop right here real quick. Now, I want you guys to pay attention to a few things at play here, okay? What's interesting is I'm very pleased by what you tell me about this man's relations with his mother. So this already tells us that there's a history between him and his mom, that obviously Wormwood is aware of, and obviously Glubos has had control over the mother for a while, these demonic uh, different demons here, if you will. And what's interesting is, is there's a history here. So notice the demonic world watches us. Now, mind you, I know it's just a book, okay? We're not taking this literally, per se. But it does give us an idea of what goes on in the demonic world uh, to some degree or another. And uh, some would say even, in fact, that screw tape Letters itself gives us such a a provocative, sort of interesting, um, almost seemingly in some weird ways, uh, almost literal uh, uh, idea of what happens. And I think to some degree it's definitely true. We forget that C.S. Lewis had a background in the occult. Uh, he was involved in the Theosophical Society and even uh, involved in some occultic things uh, before he became a Christian. You know, he took a little bit of a road trip there between uh, atheism and Christianity and uh, kind of in and out of some various different groups and whatnot. And so he sort of has an idea uh, on both sides of the fence, so to speak. Thank God on the Christian side as well, uh, uh, understanding 
of, of the way the demonic world works on some level, right? And one of the things we can be sure of is that they've had a long time to practice this sort of um, manipulative, covert things that they do. They've had a long time to practice um, under their father, our enemy, uh, and to have an education, so to speak, on the anthropology mm -hmm. side of um, our behavior, and also have had a long time to in, uh, practicing at influence. And so we want to think about things like that when reading things like this, and it definitely sort of shows us that position when it says, the enemy will be working from the center outwards, gradually bringing more and more of the patient's conduct under the new standard and may reach his behavior to the old lady at any moment. In other words, that the enemy, meaning once again to them, God, uh, will be gradually or sanctify, uh, uh, working with sanctification. The doctrine of sanctification here is at play. Uh, meaning, in other words, sanctification is the idea that God is, we're the, we're the clay, he's the potter, basically. He's shaping us through his influences, through as we wash our mind with the word and we walk uh, by faith and obedience to the word of God, that little by little, you know, and through circumstance after circumstance and through um, various trial after trial and affliction after affliction and so on and so forth, uh, that we become more and more like Jesus. Now, that's definitely the one side of it. But it also says under the new standard and may reach his behavior uh, in such a way that it's going to literally affect the way that he treats his mother. And they know that they've got a time limit for this thing. They know that there's a timetable here at play, so to speak, that the more that he uh, begins to understand uh, that his his religion, his Christianity uh, should not just be an inward position, which we'll get at here in a minute as well. Uh, an inward position as much as uh, a um, new uh, understanding. In other words, faith without works is dead. So, in other words, we want our understanding of the way that we walk with the Lord to be more than just how we think about things now, right? So, in other words, if we are more about, if we are more concerned with the way that we now think about things, but it doesn't change how we treat people. We've basically got a useless uh, philosophy. In other words, it's without power, as Paul would say. It's it's a religion without power, and what that means is that there is no change in your life. There's no change. How, there's no change in the way that you treat people. Uh, like the first commandment, "Love thy neighbor as thyself," seems to go uh, pretty hand in hand, obviously, with uh, faith and works, obviously. But the point is here that um, that they the demonic world knows that they have a time limit here and that they've got to be busy trying to manipulate and corrupt this man as quickly as possible. Now, on to the point here concerning his mother, which we'll be focused on quite a bit. You want to get in first. Keep in close touch with our colleague Lubos, who is in charge of the mother, and build up between you and that house a good settled habit of mutual annoyance. Daily pinpricks, the following methods are useful. Now, obviously, this gives us the idea of daily annoyances. What we generally will see here is a picture of more than just an annoyance, so to speak. It's a uh, beginning to straw man, if you will, the people, basically a confirmation bias about the people in whom we already don't like. So we're annoyed. I want you to think about this, uh, dear listener. How often are we annoyed by people simply because we've already made up in our mind who they are? In other words, we build a whole new idea of who they are 
in our hearts and minds. And therefore, we just expect them. What's called, there's, if you've ever heard of the halo effect, there's something called the devil effect. In other words, we don't give people a chance to truly shine. That we've made up in our mind that they are this person and we'll be darned if they're going to upset our apple cart and actually act, you know, in a different manner. And this is something that a lot of us do with, unfortunately, even our parents. I did this with my mom for a long time. And I'm, now that she's gone, uh, you know, I'm pretty heartbroken over it, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I don't think I gave my own mother more of a chance uh, to some degree that maybe perhaps I should have. And I love my mother, prayed for my mother every day. And um, all that to say, the point is, which we'll get into the point here as well, uh, this gentleman also prays for his mother as well. And anyway, the point is we have a lot of confirmation bias and straw manning with people, maybe our parents, maybe other people, maybe siblings, maybe work, uh, people we work with and so forth. And we never really give them a chance. And this is something Chuck Smith really taught that was a great idea and a great biblical point, which was to always err on the side of grace. In other words, always give people a chance. Yeah, they might let you down. Yes, they might, you know, um, be the person you already maybe even thought they were to some degree. I'm not saying don't be discerning, be wise, don't be naive. We are to be innocent as doves and wise as serpents. But at the same time, we're certainly not to um, paint people in such a way that we think we're keeping ourselves safe. When the word makes it very clear, a couple different things. One, we're not to fear man because that's a snare in itself. But the other thing is that we're not to fear in general. We don't fear uh, other people. Uh, we don't fear uh, their character flaws and so forth. Uh, we're not to live in, in such a manner as to be safe, to keep ourselves safe. Uh, the Bible makes this sort of reckless idea that, in fact, that we're not to live safe at all to some degree. To be perfectly honest, we're to be wise, sure. But we're not concerned with safety. We're concerned more about seeing Christ glorified. We're more concerned about our interactions with other people, being gracious, being long-suffering, all Galatians 5.22 stuff being patient, being understanding, uh, being a good listener, uh, being willing to listen more than we talk, being more willing to give people a chance, uh, and so forth. And these are all attributes of which we want to give. Now, back to the point here, this is some of the, the ammunition the enemy uses to sort of show how he thinks uh, the, the other person will interpret the, uh, excuse me, how the son will interpret his mother's um, uh, mannerisms towards him or his mother's um, um, insinuations towards him and so forth. And so it goes on to tell us, one, keep his mind on the inner life. He thinks his conversion is something inside him and his attention is therefore chiefly turned at present to the states of his own mind or rather to that very uh, expurgated uh, version of them, which is all you should allow him to see. Encourage this. Keep his mind off the most... Uh, uh, elementary duties by directing it to the most advanced and spiritual ones. Aggravate that most useful human characteristic, the horror and neglect of the obvious. You must bring him to a condition in which he can practice self-examination for an hour without discovering any of those facts about himself which are perfectly clear to anyone who has ever lived in the same house with him or worked in his uh, or in the same office. I'm basically pretty clear here, basically. Keep him so busy and distracted that he never thinks to look to himself and see the hypocrite that he's actually being. Keep him so focused and occupied on the inner man, on the inside, that it's it's kind of like the, the most obvious thing before you, if you will, right? Like 
the 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 your own nose if you will you know the 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 very thing that's on your nose is the very thing that is is the most obvious and i think that a lot of times but you continue to keep yourself so preoccupied with the most obvious thing that you lose out on the true examination of oneself and we become hypocrites in this manner and we see all the faults of others and none of the faults of ourselves or the fact that we do the same thing that they're doing but we give ourselves a pass and this is not right this is not biblical the, the word makes it very clear to stay clear of self-deception so we want to keep that in mind as well and obviously the enemy keeps us preoccupied redirects us if you will uh, keeps our mind on things that we think more highly of ourselves than we ought, right? So we want to be aware of that. Now, number two, it is no doubt impossible to prevent his praying for his mother, but we have means of rendering the prayers. Rendering the prayers, one second here. Innocuous. Make sure that they are always very spiritual, that he is always concerned with the state of her soul and never with her rheumatism. Two advantages will follow in the first place. His attention will be kept on what he regards as her sins, by which, with a little guidance from you, he can be induced to mean any of her actions which are inconvenient or irritating to himself. Thus, you can keep rubbing the wounds of the day a little sore even while he is on his knees. The operation is not at all difficult, and you will find it very entertaining. In the second place, since his ideas about her soul will be very crude and often erroneous, he will in some degree be praying for an imaginary person, and it will be your task to make that imaginary person daily less and less like the real mother, the sharp-tongued old lady at the breakfast table. In time, you may get, uh, get the cleavage so wide that no thought or feeling from his prayers for the imagined mother will flow into, or excuse me, flow over into treatment of the real one. I have had patients of my own so well in hand that they could be turned at a moment's notice from impassioned prayer for a wife, wife's or son's soul to beating or insulting the real wife or son without a qualm. And so let's think about this, folks. Basically, what he's getting at here is that even his prayer life is, is to be more focused, or excuse me, they're trying to influence his prayer life, to be more focused to be more focused on her sinning, on the woman in whom he has made her out to be in his mind, this idol, this false person, if you will, um, than the real person she is, that which he would actually, if he decided to pray for, say, her, her rheumatoid arthritis, would be a good place to start because it's showing that he cares more for her as a person than this made-up person in his mind in whom he's more supposedly pious, self-righteous, in praying for her sinful self rather than the things that by which, you know, Jesus would really care about. Jesus went around healing folks, people. And Jesus cared about people's health. Jesus cares about people's health. Jesus cares about their mental health. He cares about their, their, their physical health as much as he cares about their spiritual. And I know that's kind of a hard thing for us to get around, but, the, you know, especially with the whole self-righteous, pious idea that, you know, oh, well, God could care less about the body. He just, you know, wants to take the soul home and everything else beyond that is, is you know, just wreckage, basically. It's just fodder uh, for the war. Well, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry, folks, but God does care about your body. He does care about you. Jesus didn't go around healing people 
simply to make a show of himself. He knew those were real people who had real problems, who suffered real pain, who needed a real answer, and who needed a real God to come to save them, to uh, to help them with those things. You understand? And we need to be more caring about that when we pray for people. You're not, you know, getting up and praying self-righteous prayers. Oh, Lord, if you could please just pull them out of that sin or pull them out of, you know, they would just come to you. You know, that's all fine and good. And yes, people need salvation. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm guilty of this too. I need to be putting more people uh, first concerning things that are real things they deal with. Just those very things that Jesus cares about as well. Uh, as much as I care about their soul. And, and that's just something that we might want to think about. That the enemy could be a play making us more self-righteous and condescending than, than we may realize at times. And even though we may have think we're putting our best foot forward, praying for their sin, praying for their soul, let's be real. These people have real suffering issues that we should be concerned about as well. And by praying for those things, we may learn to grow in grace ourselves and pray because of those things that really matter. So just something to think about. Another thing he goes on to tell us here, uh, once again, this is uh, Screwtape Letters, Chapter 3. When two humans have lived together for many years, it usually happens that each has tones of voice and expressions of face which are almost undeniably irritating to the other. Work on that. Bring fully into the consciousness of your patient that particular lift of his mother's eyebrows, which he learned to dislike in the nursery, and let him think how much he dislikes it. Let him assume that she knows how annoying it is and does it to annoy. If you know your jo your job, you will not notice the immense improbability of the assumption. And of course, never let him suspect that he has tones and looks which similarly annoy her, as he cannot see or hear himself. That is easily managed. In other words, once again, make sure he's paying attention to those stupid little things that don't really matter. The way that, that he's already assumed the worst about her, therefore every little thing she does is already going to annoy him anyway. So those are things by which, I don't know if you guys ever get this, where you've sort of made up your mind about somebody and you just begin to assign motives. This is something that happens in the political world all the time. This is something that also happens in apologetics. When people begin to assign motives, in other words, you know why they're doing that thing. You've made up in your mind that you know more about them than they maybe know about themselves. Uh, you know more about them than God knows about them. Therefore, you can cast immediate judgment on them because you've already made up in your mind that's the kind of person they are. This is something that is a satanic deluge, a demonic influence that which we once again need to repent and give grace. We need to repent and once again our best foot forward and give them the benefit of the doubt and trust and believe that they themselves mean us well also, the word says, he who shows himself friendly will make friends. Show yourself friendly. Give the benefit of the doubt. Show as much grace and mercy as you desire to, to, to uh, as you desire that the Lord would show you. Show them the mercy and grace God has shown you. Very simple, right? Matthew 7, all about that all day long. Once again, how much have you been forgiven? You forgive seven times 70. Even if they are your enemy. You are to pray for them and pray blessing upon them and love them. Okay? So the guy is missing out on a bunch of opportunity here because he's more concerned with stupid, petty things that don't really matter anyway. And this is something that we need to recognize, Christian. This is something we need to recognize. The enemy has got us under his thumb when we are more concerned about assigning motives to people that aren't even real, that is, once again, just an illusion, a demonic illusion, 
right, and influence by which we're allowing ourselves to be self-deceived by. Once again, repent of this fallacy, repent of the stupidity, give grace, give love, give mercy, give forgiveness, and move on and glorify God. Moving on. In civilized life, domestic hatred usually expresses itself by saying things which would appear quite harmless on paper. The words are not offensive, but in such a voice or at such a moment that they are not far short of a blow in the face. To keep this game up, you and Glubos must see to it that each of these two fools has a sort of double standard. Your patient must demand that all his own utterances are to be taken at their face value and judged simply on the actual words, which at the same time, judging all his mother's utterances with the fullest and most oversensitive interpretation of the tone and the context and the suspected intention. She must be encouraged to do the same to him. Hence, from every quarrel, they can both go away convinced or very nearly convinced that they are quite innocent. You know the kind of thing. I simply ask her what time dinner will be, and she flies into a temper. Once this habit is well established, you have the delightful situation of a, hu of a human saying things which the express purpose of offending and yet having a grievance when offense is taken. Finally, tell me something about the old lady's religious position. Is she at all jealous of the new factor in her son's life? At all piqued that he should have learned from others and so late that she considers she gave him such a good opportunity of learning in childhood does she feel he is making a great deal of fuss about it or that he's getting in on on very easy terms remember the elder brother and the enemy's story talking of course about the elder brother and the younger brother and the prodigal son story now what's interesting here is once again confirmation bias assigning motives right Oversensitive interpretation of the tone and the context and the suspected intention. Once again, assigning motives. This is what they're basically doing at play. This is what we have going back and forth. And once again, remember the older brother in this in the story, of course, right? The older brother, the, excuse me, the older brother in the in the uh, with the picture concerning the uh, prodigal son uh, gives us the idea of in as far as concerning, but, but didn't I serve you better? Didn't I do more for you, father? Why is he get a pass? And this is talking about, of course, the mother raised him in such a way that, you know, she basically gave him, uh, all opportunity to, to, to know the Lord growing up and he didn't take that opportunity. And therefore, why is he getting such, you know, uh, such a blessing now, so to speak. Right. And this is an interesting thing. When I became, before I became a Christian, me and my mom had this kind of thing. Cause I was an alcoholic for about, Oh, about a good 15 years or so. And my mother was not happy that I became a Christian. At least she didn't show it very much. Now, mind you, I love my mother and miss her dearly. I have nothing bad to say about her. I wouldn't be a hypocrite about all that I just said before prior. But I will say this, my mom was not happy that I became a Christian because she kind of figured she, she'll, uh, um, sent me to church as a kid basically to get morals, but she didn't want me to actually change, really, for the most part. Uh, she did, but not. I don't think she was so happy that I was so zealous, so to speak. I think she just wanted me to be a good churchman, someone who went to church on Sunday, paid his taxes, and and had nothing bad to uh, nothing bad to say about the sin that she lived in. Uh, and so forth. And, and that's fine. And to some degree, she may have even been correct. Like I said earlier, I should have been more concerned with my mom and, and the issues that she needed to overcome and the pain that she was in and a lot, been more concerned 
with where she was at in life and loving on her and caring more about her and offering more to help her if she needed, you know, help in certain areas and been more of a good steward mm-hmm. with the time that I had with her would have been a much better representation of Christ and then gave the gospel and gave the gospel at the same time and always being faithful to give the real gospel as well. Not some seeker friendly trash either, but, or, or and definitely not the friendship evangelism. I'm not proclaiming that as well. I'm not saying that either. But what I am saying is your works should match your mouth. If you're, if the rubber ain't meat in the road, then you're riding on rims. You ain't on tires and you're going to be slipping all over the place and you're going to look stupid doing it. So you've got to do both. But I'm just saying at the same time, this is what it comes down to that, uh, you know, the enemy probably played on my mom as well. Probably his religion's not real. He's not a real Christian. This will be another fad. You'll see he'll, he'll, he'll just run through this like he did when he played hardcore and metal. And then he got out of that. And then remember when that time that he was a kid and he thought he was a Christian for a little while. I'm sure the enemy influenced my mom all over the place concerning me and my walk with the Lord as much as the enemy was trying to self-deceive me into thinking that my mom, you know, uh, was so steeped in the occult and so steeped in, in witchcraft and the stuff that she was into. There's no way she could become a Christian. You know, it's like, eh, where's your faith, man? Where's your faith? So anyway, all that to say, um, I'm glad you guys came back. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be moving on to chapter four with the next one. If I don't get in another, uh, three minute devotional or something like that, or five minute devotional and, uh, knock that out and, uh, bless you guys, I hope as well. But, uh, once again, uh, I just thank you guys for who, who do continue to come back. The last podcast only had like eight listens. That's okay. I praise God for every one of them. And I thank God for every one of you who continue to come back and listen and, uh, just, Hey, you know, like share and subscribe, please get this out there. I know I'm not as consistent as I should be. It's a new year. I'm going to try and be more consistent. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I love you guys. I thank you for uh, every one of you. And just please get this out there. Let's get some more subscribers on here, huh? Let's make this year a good year for, for his namesake and above all for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, because that's what this podcast is for, folks. This is for his namesake. This ain't about me. I hope you guys come to hear from the Lord. That's my prayer every time I put these out, that Lord, just confirmation, affirmation, edification, encourage brothers and sisters. I hope this brings conviction. I hope this brings peace. I hope this brings healing. I hope that God uses this for his namesake. That's what this is about. And if you're about that, then please, by all means, like, share, subscribe. And uh, yeah, I love you guys. Thank you for coming and listen. And uh, God bless. All right, this is Chris signing out. Talk to you guys soon. Remember next one, chapter four, screw tape letters. God bless. Love you guys. Happy New Year.